Today on the show, we discuss how changing fate first starts with changing yourself. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. I'm Bruce. And I'm Wade. And we are here to talk about a beautiful, amazing game with twists and turns, the God of War Ragnarok. The God of War Ragnarok. The God of War Ragnarok. Not just any God of War Ragnarok. The. Mm -hmm. T-H-E. This has been a, a love of mine since looking at God of War uh, 2018. I looked at a lot of the story of like the previous games, but I never really mm -hmm. played them. But like, I have truly loved the first, you know, 2018 God of War. And this mm -hmm. one has been such a wonderful game. Uh, and I just wanted to talk to someone about it. And uh, <laughs> Wade, you've played it. You've played also yes. the previous God of War yes. games. So. I platinumed Ragnarok. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, and, and 2018. And I did do a, a playthrough of 1, 2, and 3. I didn't do Ascension or the PSP games just because I was a little burnt out by that point. Yeah. <laughs> but in preparation for 2018, I did go back and play through the God of War saga on my PlayStation 3 and had a great time. And yeah, I, I really like Ragnarok. I think it works really well as a nice 1, 2 duology um, with the its predecessor the 2018 it's part of the the norse duology and yeah. i'm really excited to talk about it yeah like uh at least when i was playing it i was really fascinated with the theming of fate uh and mm -hmm. not just through like this one but like how fate has been through all of the games yes um, very very <clears throat> very recurring theme yeah and i was just like i want to do it like i want to do an episode about that um so we're just going to kind of talk about how uh, the story of God of War Ragnarok and just kind of the the God of War universe as a whole handles fate, how characters do it, um, how they like, you know, wrestle with understanding prophecy and fate, how it can be interpreted or changed. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to talk about, you know, the past games, how Kratos deals with it, how Atreus, his son, deals with it. It's going to be uh, a wonderful discussion just about, you know, predeterminism, about philosophy, about yourself and the universe and future and past and all of that good stuff. But before we do, I just want to say spoilers if you have not played yes. any of the God of War games or at the very least the 2018 and uh, Ragnarok games. Spoilers. Yes. You're just going to get spoiled. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, well, and also <clears throat> the uh, original trilogy as well, because there are some, uh, like I said, recurring themes, specifically with God of War 2, that carry over really strongly into Ragnarok. For sure. And just also, if you just don't have the time to be able to play all those games, there there's a huge giant like cutscene compilation that I at least watched just to kind of get the better gist of like, you know, what the story was before Kratos found himself in the uh, Norse realms. Uh, at least was, play three. At least play at three. Le yeah. You know, three is legitimately fun. Like that's a fun video game. One and two haven't aged super well, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna get hay for this, but specifically two, I didn't have a ton of fun with. I thought some of the 
uh, structure of some of the levels was frustrating, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually had more fun with God of War 1 than God of War 2. God of mm-hmm. War 2 kind of throws some gimmicky platforming and uh, just some stuff that just kind of annoyed me more than challenged me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I still I enjoyed that. all three games, but God of War 3 of the original trilogy, in my opinion, if you're going to play one, just that's just a fun video game. I'm going to try that. Yeah. At least while my PS4 is still breathing. Yeah, well, uh, back compat is uh, a joy, and it's usually pretty cheap, um, if not right. free occasionally. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I swear they gave it away one month, but... Probably. But yeah, that, that's a... God of War 3 is great, despite some of its presentation not aging well, in terms right. of, you know, content, I should say. Not necessarily yeah. design. <laughs> right. Uh, so, also some housekeeping... We, of course, love to hear from our listeners, uh, so you can email us at podcast at loreparty.com with thoughts on our episode or episode ideas. Also, be sure to follow us on twitch.tv slash lore underscore party. And of course, you, you can connect with us on Instagram or Twitter at lore underscore party. All right. So um, I, again, we were just talking about this, but it, it was just the theme of prophecy that I've been really excited about. Mm-hmm. The reason I guess that I was like really wanting to talk about this is just because I don't know if like you've dealt with, um, you know, death in your life recently, but like if you can find a, like if you've had a loved one who's just been like, it's clear that they're going to be going, there's a lot of weird feelings that you have about like inevitability and you know the future and that you know that it's going to happen but you try to stop it or or cosmic punishment or cosmic punishment (laughs) yeah or like what did i do to deserve this or exactly what did they do or is this a test for me or why is someone else suffering just for me to be tested yeah i think it's something that like you know everyone goes through uh sooner or later and it is i think a beautiful way that uh the god of war series as a whole kind of treats prophecy and fate and inevitability um and the passage of time where you know it's it's in this kind of realm of philosophy but like talking about how not exactly futile but like it's it's going to happen may not be the way that you were expecting it but it still will um mm-hmm. on that theme i also want to touch yeah. that just like th- what you're bringing up is um why specific because it might seem like a lot to read into when it comes to like a video game or god of war but god of war being rooted so deeply in mythology and specifically mm-hmm. this time around norse mythology um fate and prophecy um are very very um heavy <laughs> very common themes in exactly. both greek and norse mythology or all mythology in general but um, specifically in regards to some of the gods that we meet in Ragnarok, like Odin and Heimdall. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to dive into this. So stick around. All right, and we're back. So um, kind of what, uh, Wade, you were alluding to before, fate and prophecy plays a huge role in both of these different pantheons of the greek civilization mm-hmm. and uh the i i would say like you know scandinavian and like nordic um well it also reaches down to central europe and germany but oh okay yeah 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 because there there was not to go on a tangent but there's the famous 
Thor's Oak, I believe. Or it's like the origins of like Yule and Christmas where like um, it was in central Germany where I believe it was like Christian uh, missionaries converted people who were worshiping Thor on during Yule time or something like that and said like, hey, instead of worshiping this tree, how about you treat this tree like a symbol of you know Christmas and celebrate Christmas this time instead. Um, but that a very very loose, inaccurate retelling of that. But that happened, I believe, in Central Germany. So it does actually the Vikings spread their wings pretty far in their beliefs. Oh yeah, <laughs> might even be able to did. find some like Egyptians or Arabians who believed in Thor and Odin. I don't know. Well, they definitely reached there. I remember like a ring that was found uh, in like a. Uh, viking tomb or burial that had like allah or like the symbol for yeah allah, like yeah, on there. that's sick yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like they, they reached they, they got some yeah big reach and that's cool because they actually kind of allude to that in god of war ragnarok with tear and his travels exactly um, traveling because realms you with well, beyond realms. In, yeah it will in the game itself um i think it's part of the requirements for the platinum trophy but you have to find some of the things that tear is left behind and there's like like a Japanese instrument or Egyptian, you know, like an Egyptian dagger and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I like how through tier, they kind of demonstrate, um, Norse culture at that time, or they were very well traveled and it's reflected in tier very long side tangent, but (laughs) hopefully insightful. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, so with this fate, at least in, in, in a very Western sense, it is almost inescapable. And a lot of stories in Greek and Norse mythology kind of uh, support that. Um, it's a philosophy called predeterminism, the, the belief that everything that has happened, is happening, and will happen is all like set in stone. It could not be changed. It is just the passage of time, whatever you can do is what you were meant to do. And there is no other, you know, uh, deviation from that. There is no other like alternate timeline. You are what is there. And this is a philosophy that, you know, kind of dictates, uh, that free will is a myth. Like you can choose what you're going to do, but that's just what you're going to do anyway. At the end of the day, it's what the fates and the Norns and the oracles have decided or have seen for you. Exactly. But this doesn't just adhere to like humans in uh, mythology. It adheres to all of the gods. Everyone is, uh, is a slave to prophecy and fate. That, that's something that like in mythology itself more pertains to the Norse gods because the Norse gods in mythology are very much depicted as very human-like. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not I mean, they're not necessarily presented as like great people in Greek mythology, but the Norse gods themselves are very much considered to be very human in the sense that they make mistakes. They can die or be killed. Whereas uh, Greek gods are depicted as a bit more like ethereal in Greek mythology, but God of War very much kind of gives them a very human like um, read or just treatment in general where. They are kind of similar to Norse gods in the sense that they aren't benevolent or ethereal. They are tangible beings that make mistakes and are motivated by the same things that normal people are a lot of the times, which in like the case of Zeus is, you know, avoiding your own demise. 
Um, and then also we see very commonly in the actual text of uh, Norse mythology uh, specifically. Uh, we can get into the actual myths later, but like specifically with Odin and Fenrir. Right. Well, I mean, like into the text, it's, uh, you know, that that wasn't a God of War special. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, like that's, that's actually what we're going to get into now is Mm -hmm. like the examples of like this, like, uh, if anyone knows, like, you know, the myth of Oedipus was a prince who was tried to be, uh, abandoned by his father because, uh, the oracles of Delphi said that he would kill his father and marry his mother. He tried to, he wanted to kill him. He, uh, I believe he like got a servant to try and kill him, but the servant just like abandoned him in the canyon. He was adopted, didn't know his parents, um, went, uh, did he beat, he beat the Sphinx. I, f- I forget if he killed, slayed it or, um, just like he solved its riddle or something. Right. I, it's been and a hot minute since I've read this. Exactly. And then either way, he was able to save the town, uh, sorry, the, the kingdom, uh, he had slain his father on the way there, and he married the queen who was his mother. Once he realized mm-hmm. that, he killed himself, gouged his eyes out. Yeah, I was going to um, say, there's some eye, eye trauma there. Exactly. And that's, <laughs> and that's just with, like, humans. But we also know that, like, in both uh, actual Greek mythology and in the God of War games, Kratos is the son of Zeus. Zeus tries to kill him because he knows that a um, one of his sons with a red mark on him yeah. will uh, cause Olympus to fall and kill him. He if it was just one to, of his sons, that that would be pretty. That wouldn't narrow it down. Try narrow it down. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, but he shit. knew that there was a red marked uh, warrior who was Kratos's brother, Demos, and he ultimately got a tattoo once his brother was like abducted by Athena and Ares to commemorate his uh, fallen brother. But when you go back further, you see that Zeus was also a a product of, you know, this kind of Mm -hmm. like uh, patricide or fear of patricide through Kronos, his father, a Titan, Mm -hmm. who was told that in, uh, it was prophesied that he would be overthrown by his son and that he was like gobbling up all his kids to try and like, you know, make sure that he was not overthrown. And then Zeus was really smart because he uh, he pretended to be rocks. Yeah, know? yeah, rock. Well, <laughs> I see a lot of people clowning on that myth. It's like, how dumb is Kronos? It's like, well, Kronos is a titan, so he's huge. Yeah, from his even Zeus as like a full grown adult would have seemed like an ant to him anyway. Yeah, he's not so. like got a knife and fork and just like yeah, you know, <laughs> shearing this baby stuff he he doesn't chew either he just down the hatch no he just swallows it so like you know it's just this endless cycle but like it that at least in the greek pantheon proves that even though you have some of these incredibly powerful gods and entities they cannot escape the endless march of time and fate and prophecy even if they see it coming but I'm sure you know more about uh, just some of the prophecies from Norse mythology, right? Uh, I'm on the spot. But yeah, to continue on what I alluded to earlier, one of the main, um, like, I guess, prophecy stories in Norse mythology is specifically also tied to God of War Ragnarok in the sense that it was about Ragnarok, where Odin, I guess if you want to go way back, hung himself from Yggdrasil in the search of infinite knowledge and sacrificed one of his eyes and then gained that knowledge, or at least 
partially that knowledge. Um, and some of that knowledge included that um, a wolf named Fenrir would bring about Ragnarok and would kill him during Ragnarok. So when I don't remember the exact details of the story, but he, Thor and Loki find um, this, this it's, they find Fenrir. He knows it's Fenrir. Mm -hmm. Um, so in his fear, um, knowing what Fenrir may do, locks Fenrir up, abuses them, abuses Fenrir, tries to make sure that Fenrir, um, in no way could be in a position where he could either kill Odin or bring about Ragnarok. But, you know, as the years go on, Fenrir gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and eventually breaks out of his cage and exacting revenge does bring about Ragnarok and kills Odin. So the thing that Odin feared, he brought about himself be because he was so um, afraid of this possible prophecy. Exactly. And so that's what a lot of characters do. They, they want to fight fate. They want to try and like stop it at all from coming, but it is an eventual slow uh, arrival. To that well one thing i also want to mention is that in greek mythology you kind of notice that prophecy is kind of one of those things that like oh well, i guess yeah in both where a common a recurring theme in a lot of prophecy stories in greek and norse myth is mm -hmm. in your attempts to avoid prophecy you end up bringing it upon yourself exactly because that is in in the eye of like fate and prophecy that is going to happen, and it already happened, it will happen, blah, 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 yada, 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 endless cycle, where by trying to prevent it, you have actually caused it. It's kind of like some, uh, some like time travel stuff. Exactly. Like, uh, like You tell yourself 10 years ago to go time travel in 10 years, of course, you know, you're going to, you know, exactly. that's what will yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing where you're told that this prophecy will happen, and... yeah. Like it's, that's that it's the uh, that act itself sets upon the events that cause it to come true. Exactly. And in the in the events of God of War one through three plus uh, tie in stuff, Kratos has had a lot of experience through like prophecies, talking to Delphi, fighting the fates himself, going back in yeah. time, kill his father. Well, he kills the or, fates well, to too. attack him and he kills the fates, too. Like it's it's all been this whole thing, but it was still promised that. A, a, the red marked uh, warrior would yeah. kill the gods of Olympus. Even and by killing the fates out. and seemingly disrupting fate itself, it still comes either way. Exactly. So Kratos that has too this, was part of it. Exactly. So Kratos has this like understanding of like his own relationship with prophecy and fate. And he's just very resigned about it. He's, He's just yeah. very accepting of it. So we, yeah. in the end of uh, God of War uh, 2018, he sees the prophecy, Atreus doesn't, of what happens next, of Ragnarok, and that, you know, Atreus will be holding him. What um, appears to be his own death. Exactly. Keyword, what appears it. to be. Right, right. And he just accepts it, and he, d he doesn't tell Atreus, but he knows, I'm going to die with my son yeah. in my arms. I'm whatever. He doesn't try to stop it. Yeah, even in Ragnarok, right? Yeah, he he's kind of like I know this thing that you don't, but mm -hmm. I'm not on a mission to stop this from happening. I'm on a mission to stop everything else bad from happening. <laughs> right. 
It's like, whether I live or die doesn't matter as long as Atreus lives. Yeah, but like from what has already been at least told to us, the viewer, and to him mm-hmm. in terms of prophecy, Atreus is not in any like mortal danger that we know of that he's going to die. Yeah. So he just is like, okay, well, if he's okay, then I don't give a shit. Like, I'm mm-hmm. fine. So like- Well, that's why he's training him so hard at the beginning of- Ragnarok is because like mm-hmm. I need you to be ready for this when I'm, when gone. I'm gone. Yeah. So it's, he's it's already good. at the beginning of the story. He's already accepted that like there's gonna I don't know when it is. It's probably with this Ragnarok thing, but I'm probably gonna be gone soon. So I need you to be ready. Yeah. But he is only one of the few characters, at least in this story, who knows fate, knows his fate, and he still just kind of accepts it. Uh, mm-hmm. But there are many who have tried uh, to change that up, to try and defy fate. So I guess that brings us to our our next point, where we're just going to be talking about some of the characters who have really tried to, you know, go against this current. Um, And the game does a brilliant way of, uh, you know, showing us how other people react to fate, both Mm -hmm. from individuals and, like, entire peoples. So first we can just talk about like Atreus, who's Yeah, that's the big one. Young young kid still thinks that he's like invincible. And in going to some of the giant shrines, uh, he's learned about the the real, the true prophecy of Ragnarok, where Asgard will fall, uh, as it is led by Tyr and the Jotnar champion, whom he believes is him. Or it could well, be. Well, it couldn't him, be really know. anyone it couldn't really be anyone else because he is effectively the last surviving Jotnar, aside from a couple other characters that we'll probably touch on. Yeah, but uh, during the story, uh, there were, like, talks, like, Freya was, like, saying, like, oh, he could, like, Kratos could be the champion for the Jotnar. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean they are Jotnar themselves. Exactly. So, like, but it was still this huge big question, or even if this was real or anything, but of course it had to have some kind of merit to it because Odin and Thor come knocking on their humble abode and Mm -hmm. (laughs) just do a nice old mafia style intimidation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sorry about your roof. Sorry. Hey, let's, uh, let's, uh, clean this up, huh? Why don't we, uh, just let bygones be bygones and you don't look for tear. Well, also I think to lead in this, uh, in the previous game with Balder, Mm-hmm. Where that was a similar thing, not necessarily tied to fate, but more about like the cycle of like patricide or just um, generational trauma. Where like by trying to undo the cycle of revenge, Kratos initiates ultimately what will lead to his own demise. Yeah, allegedly, <laughs> right? But that's why they're. That's also why they're there. It's a Atreus, but also B. You kind of killed my guy, Balder. He was he was his best tracker. He was a That's shit. That's how he's stunner. on Kratos verbatim. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, even though this is supposed to do, intimidate them, this just kind of emboldens Atreus, Atreus to know that like he's on the right track. He's got to you know keep looking, and Kratos is just like just not about it. He's just like, we shouldn't be doing this. I we don't. need to prepare for Ragnarok. We need we, to we prepare get ready for, for the Ragnarok. day when I die. <laughs> you know, we don't have and, time for this. Right. And Atreus is like, this is preparing for Ragnarok. We need tear for the prophecy. Yeah. It's and just like, Atreus doesn't know what we and Kratos know, which is exactly. why he's pushing Atreus so hard. And 
Yeah. Um, but at um, the same time, Kratos is Atreus' dad. So he knows his time is finite with Atreus. Yeah. So regardless like, of Ragnarok or not. Yeah. So like, all right, I'll follow you. Cause yeah, you know, it, I don't know how much time we have left, so I want to spend it. <laughs> I want to make sure that you don't hate me by the end of it. I think it's also that he's like trying to connect better with his son and he's just like, yeah, I'm gonna trust you on this because or he I sees it as trained. an opportunity for him yeah. to kind of become his own man. Absolutely. And like at this point, Atreus is fully accepting of like fate and prophecy because it's working for him. He's not mm-hmm. trying to prevent. Yeah, Ragnarok. that's a good point. He's he knows that that's going to cause a lot of destruction. Like, oh hell yeah, Ragnarok! He's like, yeah, <laughs> we're gonna ride Jormungandr into punch Thor's face. Yeah, he just doesn't know the little detail that Kratos knows, so everything's exactly. dope for him. Yeah, so like, why would you want to change fate? It's gonna be awesome. We're gonna kill the bad guys and free Tyr, and then Tyr's gonna give me a medal or something, and I'm gonna be awesome. Yeah, all um, the Asgardians <laughs> will die, but you know. <laughs> Uh, whatever they were probably evil i mean kind of his mentality hey like, like that's just what he's kind of been uh exposed to yeah his like, kind of worldview is good by good guy bad guy right right and not and to it's say not that, really like, until the, he goes to the other side when he realizes like oh there are people worth saving here exactly and it's not like you know what mimir was telling atreus about asgard and the asgardians was like propaganda but like you know, they did do some like messed up stuff, but there are also innocents there and that's never talked about. So he just sees everything. Like you said, it's black and white and like, this is going to be good. We're just going to ride out with like fate. We are being propped up by destiny and we're just going to yeah. do all this cool stuff. Uh, fate but, itself is on our side. Yeah. I think he actually said that in the game, didn't he? I mean, I just made that up. But <laughs> It sounds like he would say it, but like he... After a little falling out with his dad, where he just kind of wants to, you know, be this champion or just figure out more stuff, he is just sent to his room uh, and he uh, accidentally dreams his way to Ironwood, the secret realm of the Jotnar, and he meets Angravoda, who is uh, uh, the other last giant and keeper of the giant souls in the marbles. Mm -hmm. And she is also the um, creator of the prophecies uh, after her mother uh, passed. So we then have Atreus and Angravoda, you know, talk about the full prophecy. And she, like, prepares him and to say, Mm -hmm. you know, this is going to be a little heavy, but I'm just going to, you know, show you the rest of your prophecy mural. She explains to Atreus that for the giants who have people in their society who can just read the future, it's more important that they know their future to better accept it. Mm-hmm. But she also understands that it is something that is difficult for people to accept. and Especially if you are raised in that culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like the giants have always known about like, you know, prophecy of fate, of destiny, and they don't try to change it they can interpret it differently but like they can never like they they never think like oh i need to like reverse this i need to stop this mm-hmm. and she tries to you know just butter him up prepare him and just be like this i got one to show you <laughs> oh, you're, you're, you're ready for this and she shows him and uh it's the same exact thing that you see at the end of god of war in 2018 where you know it shows that 
Atreus, uh, you know, leaves for Asgard, his uh, father dies in his arms, and he just like, just loses it, turns into uh, a, a bear or a wolf, uh, which is his new power that he doesn't have a lot of control over. And Angerboda has to like calm him down and just like basically help him because he's going through like basically a panic attack and he's obviously shaken by this revelation. Yeah, it's kind of he's in kind of Kratos's position when Kratos wasn't very experienced and mm-hmm. when he was faced with information he didn't like. And it's like, well, we got to change this. Exactly. Um, so unbeknownst to him, he doesn't know that Kratos already knows and has already accepted. And so right. in his mind, it's like, well, I am in a position where I can try to stop this. Mm-hmm. Unbeknownst to him and something Kratos already knows that th- is that there is no stopping this. Yeah. And I... I, I really like this because then, you know, she tries to like calm him down and they just do this cute little thing. But like then through it, um, he's like talking to Angerbone and be like, well, maybe, maybe it's something different. Maybe, maybe I can do this. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can do that. And I was like, hey, young buck, weren't you like totally for Ragnarok? Weren't you like kind of trying yeah. to go for it? What's, what's changed? What's, what's happened? <laughs> it's all, yeah, I think that's a big yeah. development for him, obviously, right. but. Um, in a lot more subtle ways as well. Oh yeah, but like now he's like trying to, he's trying to do a thing that you know when you're young you try and do is just get the best of both worlds. And he's like, yeah. I can still do Ragnarok. I can still fe- fight with Tear, and I'm gonna <laughs> save my dad. It's like it's like a Spider-Man moment, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just try and keep Uncle Ben alive, I guess. It's like, I'll, I'll stop Shocker, and I'll be able to make it back in time for prom. Yeah. You it's can't like, burn mm. the candle on both ends. You just can't. And so we also, like, see this parallel. Uh, we see this same kind of energy of um, this obsession with knowledge and fate in another character uh, mm-hmm. that uh, Atreus, you know, uh, meets uh, more intimately of Odin, who's always there trying to, you know... His his whole thing is pretty clever, uh, obviously for the you know one eyed king, but like he is trying not to do it through sheer willpower or strength, but to know more than life and creation itself. You kind of allude that to him, like you know hanging himself off the world tree. Yeah, his entire life's mission is to know everything, because I think at least in the context of God of War Ragnarok. He believes that by knowing you can change things. Yeah. By knowing what lies beyond prophecy, you can therefore control prophecy or create your own. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's the power within that green little <laughs> warp gate or whatever. Yeah, the rift. Uh... Yeah, that's the power that could be given to him. Is um control over prophecy itself but yeah yeah, like i said it's like it's it's been his entire life's mission to know and control i mean specifically with controlling we see that with freya where like there was that was a very controlling relationship for her uh something that she still has a lot of trauma from uh, that she clearly demonstrates um yeah and so odin odin is very much a control freak and i think a lot of that comes from his inherent desire to know everything. Yeah. And like, he's just, it's always been that thing. He, 
Odin does not like to be left in the dark, even with mm-hmm. his friend friendships and relationships with other people. Everything well, has to have a failsafe and, yeah. you know, a, in case of being screwed over. Just to butt uh, in one more time, it's yeah, like, I also wanted to note that, like, it's actually really interesting that, like, Loki is kind of known as the trickster god, mm-hmm. but Odin in Norse mythology is almost always the great deceiver, you know? He's almost yeah. more of a Loki figure than Loki is considered to be. I don't know if that's, like, the marvelification of mythology <laughs> and just that's our perception, but in, like, actual mythology itself, Odin very much is the true mastermind and trickster behind everything. I think the thing is, yeah. in the sense of Norse mythology, trickster kind of more means, like, aloof goofball you know like <laughs> court Causing jester mischief almost mischievous yeah loki is mischievous whereas odin is manipulative exactly i think the difference is both intention ambition and power eloquently put yeah um thanks <laughs> <laughs> yeah like odin's just always just trying to do that but like he when atreus like you know, leaves to go to Asgard as a sort of, again, attempt to change prophecy and fate. Yeah, maybe I can learn to... something to save Kratos here. Exactly. But from Kratos' perception, he's betraying everyone. Right. He's like, what the? But they both know, know something that, that the other one doesn't. Exactly. But it's awkward because the one that thinks they know something the other doesn't, they actually do know that information. But, like, when Odin, like, takes Atreus in, he shows him the rift and he tells him, like, I also want you here to try and find the, the mask uh, that could maybe help us see through the rift. And he does bond with him and say, like, don't you, like, I know that you feel it too. This need to know and to understand everything and, like, what is created the gods here what is out there and like yeah. atreus feels that and they i think to, they kind yeah. of bond over it to touch on your earlier point like he is a teenager and when you're a teenager you want to yeah. control things mm-hmm. um you want to control the way things are going in your life and so perhaps that does speak to atreus slash loki but at the same time knowing odin for yeah. me it was like like he is using you but i think i think atreus knows that he's being used mm-hmm. but believes that just by playing along he'll still get the answers he seeks right and i mean i think odin is also just like a big old teenager i feel like well, he's never really <laughs> um progressed past that another thing is i think odin makes it very clear also that he's using atreus like i don't oh, yeah. think that's like the ultimate manipulation is like I am using you for this. Mm-hmm. So consensually, you are helping me. You oh, know, yeah. I just want I just want to make sure that you understand that, you know, this is a consensual, I am using you to further my own gains. And that's almost what's like so devious about it. It's like He's really good at that. He's a great <laughs> manipulator. Master manipulator. Yeah. But we also have another character who has a very unique reaction to prophecy and fate and Ragnarok, and that is Surtur, the uh, fire giant of Muspelheim, who is known to you know help bring about uh, Ragnarok by sticking his uh, sword into Asgard, and we know that 
as Ragnarok kind of like begins to, you know, come to an edge, they need to get Serta to turn into Ragnarok. Unfortunately, in order for that to happen, prophecy states that he needs to, you know, bind with his wife, Sinmara, and but it would end up killing them both to create this new entity uh, of power in Ragnarok. And like when he first is approached by Kratos and Atreus, he's just like, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and then they're just like, but if you don't like, you know, Odin is going to, you know, destroy every other realm, then like they'll win in uh, Ragnarok and you can't have that. And he's like, yeah, that is true. But like, I don't know what else to do until he sees Kratos's Blades of Chaos that have the primordial flame. Um, so what he thinks that he can do is because he carries Sinmara's heart and Sinmara carries his, he has enough of Sinmara's essence to maybe use the primordial flame in Kratos's Blades of Chaos to just have it be himself and only himself to become mm -hmm. Ragnarok and save and spare uh, his, his love any kind of uh, death. And even though she'll be sad, she'll at least be alive. And I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, it's a way of still allowing the prophecy to come true, but kind of playing with the 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 lines between a little bit a little bit which you know is definitely an allusion to um the way god of war ragnarok kind of treats this almighty prophecy that kratos is going to die is that like there are some things like even though they come to pass they don't necessarily happen the way that perhaps they were initially interpreted yeah yeah i really it's it's a really cool clever way to just still because it was obvious that he didn't want to do anything, but he wasn't just like fully like, I need to, I need to, uh, you know, kidnap this child and I need to kill this person or I need to align myself with Odin. So me and my wife will never have to be through this stuff again. He was like, no, I just, I really don't want to do that. I love my wife. I'm not going to like have us kill each other to bring about that end. But I do have an idea. Like he wanted to at least try a different Thing, but he knew mm -hmm. that at the end of the day, he was not going to be the cause of his wife's death. It was really cool and it just a, a completely different way that you see a lot of people trying to avoid the specific prophecy or fate that, you know, life has in store for them. Yeah, and for a guy made out of fire, he was pretty chill about the entire situation. <laughs> Love it. Love yeah. it. That's what you get. That's what you get from Lord Party. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're going to take a quick break, uh, have everyone kind of like catch their breath after that amazing pun, and oh, we'll be yeah. right back. <laughs> All right, and we're back. So we've talked a lot about how people and characters react to um, fate and destiny and prophecy. Um, but I really, really enjoyed just the the deities of Norse fate and uh, destiny, the Norns. Mm -hmm. And we have a, a wonderful scene where uh, Kratos, Mimir, and uh, Freya go out in search of the Norns. And, you know, we have this big buildup where they're just like, if they don't want to be found, they won't be found. And they could kill us because they are, you know, masters of of fate itself. Mm -hmm. 
They wouldn't let us be there if they didn't let us be there. Right. But, you know, they wanted to find out where Atreus was or to just confirm that he was in Asgard. And Kratos was just like, I don't care. We're just going to, like, figure this out. Uh, in past games, Kratos, like, has dealt with the fates. Um, and he has, like, dealt with, uh, you know, oracles. Dealt with is a good, yeah, term to use there. <laughs> dealt with, yes. On the way to, like, trying to find the Norns, uh, we have Kratos, Freya, and Mimir talk about Kratos' brush with prophecy and destiny. In one part, Kratos talks about how an oracle of Delphi broke uh, his bondage to Ares um, because they thought that, you know, by freeing him, he would help prevent a vision that she had that Olympus would fall by the hand of the god of war. And, you know, knowing it. Ares is the god of war. Maybe that mm -hmm. would stop it. But ultimately, Kratos became the god of war. And we all know how that turned out. <laughs> As is very common, prophecy comes true, but not in the way you imagine it. Exactly. And so we have, you know, the Ragnarok gang meet the Norns, but not by, like, approaching them. The Norns just kind of, like, run them around a little bit. But, like, they're clearly in control. And they just sort mm -hmm. of let them come up to them. They ride uh, the... I forget the name of it, but it's a mythical a horse that, yeah, a Kelpie that it basically like yeah. um, is a scary uh, mythological creature that uh, grabs children. Well, it's and like a seahorse. Yeah, I was about to say the the myth that was kind of like a the thing you would tell kids. I think just as a way to keep them from getting too close to the river because yeah. They or any drown. body of water, because, yeah, it's like, well, you can't swim, but also, prophecy. don't get too close. Self-fulfilling prophecy there. <laughs> yeah, don't get too close, or a Kelpie will drag you down. Exactly. I want to say they might be Irish as well. There's like a Celtic I, yeah, it's, version yeah, it's of that a, as well. Yeah, I think it just might be the same thing of, um, Yeah. You know, well, it's, yeah, the same idea of, hey, kids, don't get clo too close to the river, or else this right. mythological being will drag you down. It's so like as if you study mythology, you actually see a lot of like similarities between them because you can tell it was literally just something people made up to scare oh, kids yeah. or something. And they all just had the same idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, <laughs> I don't know if it was like independently of their own, but like, you know, yeah. these stories could be generations old. The thing is, I mean, not to get on a side tangent, but as sure. we mentioned, the Vikings spread their wings pretty far. And one of those places was definitely the the British Isles, including Ireland. Yeah, so it's very possible a lot of yeah. um, a lot of early English and Celtic myth stems from Norse mythology. Sure, but Celtic yeah. mythology is a whole thing I want to get first on. St. Patrick's Day just happened, and yeah, I'm like super Irish, so I should probably study that. But <laughs> well, I can't wait till Chris uh, goes up to Mimir's homeland. I'm sure that'll be the next game, <laughs> dude. God of War. Dude, Kratos would get his shit rocked in Ireland. Dude, all the fairies and stuff. Like, that's... <laughs> the, the, Dol the Dolahans. <laughs> oh my god. What are you, you gonna do? Like, what are you gonna do when Kratos you can't, like, like find the I'm just scared. I wanna go home. No, I don't this, want... Uh, I don't want this. There's some real freak <laughs> shit here. You're like, I'm going to go now. This is... Yeah. I'm going back on my boat. This is... No. They got witches and shit here. <laughs> yeah, he's not... He's not about that. I don't think he'd like that. <laughs> so, uh, Kratos and the gang meet the Norns, and it is this wonderful, like, interaction, because, again, they are the, the masters of uh, fate and destiny, and as soon as they come in there, they just 
say the same thing that they are going to say at the same time as if like they have watched this play out a yes. thousand times over and it's over almost and like over. they are the writers at sony santa monica right you know <laughs> and they've seen this, this these events play out like a play yeah so like they uh, kratos asked them where's my son uh, where's my baby boy and they're where's just boy? like where's my boy and he and he's he's obviously mad they're all frustrated but like there's nothing you can do. If they already know what you're going to say, like, good luck trying to, you know, take a swing at them. And the Norns just say, like, there is, first of all, you know where he is. He's in Asgard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then secondly, they, they said something that has really stayed with me, where they say that you are a sum of your choices. Um, and it kind of reveals the secret of the Norns' power. Mm-hmm. Like they, they may seem like they are like almost omniscient, but it's not exactly how that is. It's just that they understand human nature and the self of each individual so well that it's just wildly predictable what yeah. they're going to do. It's, we know who you are, Kratos, and because we know who you are, we know you're going to storm up there and kill Heimdall and get your son, you know. Because Heimdall's going to kill your son. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Kratos just, doesn't want it to happen. No, um, no, he's no. Try, he's trying to leave that life, but, but like, the Norns know that, like, this is, because we both know you and we know Heimdall, we know that if either of you catch the fade then heimdall's going down yeah like i don't know who i'm betting on um yeah and i i super super love this because i feel like prophecy and the future of uh oneself is directly tied to mm-hmm. the self you are who you choose to be you yeah. are your future, your fate, because of who you are. Yeah. The person you want to be is what will ultimately lead you to make the decisions you will make. Exactly. And like it's it's a great way to like explain, at least in the Norse realm, how this kind of works. And maybe for everything. Uh, but as far as we know, um, the Norns kind of explain that at least works in the uh in the nine realms here yeah i i kind of want to touch on that a little bit more because i do think that is a really cool thing because like i know i've done this where i kind of look at like a role model or someone who's like that's who i want to be more like and then you start noticing in yourself like you're making decisions to be more like that Mm -hmm. and to kind of realize the person you want to become yeah and so that's kind of just to reiterate you know what the norns kind of do they just predict based on like this is the person you want to be so therefore you'll make these decisions and that's why it's also predictable right because you've resigned yourself to fate and because you only care about saving your son we know you're going to do x y and z yeah it's like um when you're playing like a fighting game and you're fighting against someone who (laughs) has very predictable move sets You can read someone very easily, like, yes. of just like okay, he's just going to, like, you know, back air, back air, quarter circle, and then, like, try a super. I just need to, like, you know, 
well, stunlock them and just like well, send them down. Like, here's the other thing: is in fighting games, if you want to ask me, sure. uh, gold ranked in Street Fighter Five. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, there's a thing in fighting games called conditioning, where basically mm-hmm. you test the waters a bit by doing the same thing over and over again. Like, I'm just gonna keep jumping in and see if they react to it. And then once they start reacting to it, it's like, okay, now they're expecting me to jump. Now I'm going to go in, I'm just going to dash in at him with a low, like a crouching medium kick. And then you catch him off guard. You, it's not entirely what it is, but it's, you call it a mix. Where cool. basically you lead someone into thinking, you lead someone into thinking they know what you're going to do next. And then you do something else to trip them up. Um and that can be also referred to as a read where I knew that you thought that I was going to do this. So I'm going to do this instead because I understand you as a player now because I've conditioned you with all these jump ins. Exactly. And I feel like that's just basically how the Norns operate, except they have like just the innate I mean, they're ability. Not, they're not conditioning created. They didn't create the conditions that no, 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 led no, no. to this, but... <laughs> They know what the conditions were. Exactly. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. And like, I, I think that's super cool. I think like, it's just not like magic. I know how like, you know, the universe ends. It's just like, you're so fucking easy to read, man. You're like, yeah. I know, we know what, what your gonna... motivations are. We know, we know, yeah. we know what you th- think the other person knows. Right. I, and I guess and classic, <laughs> classic Kratos is just like, all right, I'm going to yeah. fucking kill Heimdall. <laughs> Well, like, he doesn't want it to happen, but he knows no. that, like, if this is what has to happen, then I know it will happen, so there's no point in trying to avoid it. Right. And everyone and else is like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> like, you're just gonna just let like, this happen? And he's just like, uh, yeah, I, know, I, know, if, I know how this shit works, dude. I know this works. I'm gonna fucking, like, if I don't care if they're right. I care exactly. that my son is safe. Exactly. And if that means that I am like playing to their, you know, shit fucking yeah. prophecy game, so be it. He, yeah. he is just constantly accepting this. Yeah. I don't care if I'm playing their game as long as Atreus is safe. Mm-hmm. And he does in, in in all fairness, he does give Heimdall a chance. It is one of the coolest. I know. It, that is one of the hardest scenes I think I've seen in a bit. Um, because I've I've seen some of the other times where he's like mess people up like it's oh. like one of the few times in the norse duology where you see the old kratos come out it's it's scary it's good i love <laughs> it um he he gives heimdall a chance after blowing up his well that, arm. that's yeah and he's just like you can walk away you can walk away this but is a beca- warning yeah but because the norns know heimdall too they know he's too proud to take mercy mm-hmm. so yeah and heimdall was know. not in that room he doesn't know that you know yeah. the the Norn's secret, so he's just like I'm not, and him he doesn't himself, know why he was so predictable to Kratos exactly. Um, and he himself, uh, as he like gets pissed off that like he's being like basically bent over Kratos's knee and spanked, uh, that he's just like I will not be like you know resigned to the fate of others. I will decide my own fate. And again, it's with that theme mm-hmm. of like prophecy and trying to be a master of your own destiny and then he mm-hmm. gets absolutely destroyed and kratos like he's not happy with himself afterwards like no he doesn't you know, feel it's not a moment that's supposed to feel good i felt they, good well, i felt I, great <laughs> i personally felt a little unsatisfied 
I thought mm-hmm. as as a sociopath, I thought Heimdall should have begged <laughs> for his life a bit more. I feel like that would have. I wanted because for me, what would have been narratively fulfilling for a mm-hmm. good death for Heimdall was you have the most prideful person ever who will never admit defeat, and if in his last moments he goes, "No, please don't," I would have been like, <laughs> "Fuck, he did, that, that would have been a little that bit." Been, that, I he know, was like, well, "Okay, he, stop, stop, stop." Well, well, no, no, he tries to kind of get. He tries to kind of like insult kratos mm-hmm. like um i wanted a bit more begging and pleading for his own life you know i wanted oh, yeah. to see i wanted to see heimdall kind of reduced to a little bit of pathetic <laughs> a bit a bit i wanted to see him kind of be a pathetic and beg a little bit then i would have been satisfied but i'm also but I, think, I think that was a the- sociopath for saying that probably <laughs> no you're not i'm just sociopath. saying like i was left unsatisfied and my interpretation is that they want me to feel unsatisfied because this was not a God of War three. Fuck yeah, we just killed Hermes. What an annoying little asshole. You know, right. this was a. Uh, I didn't want to have to do this. Now a bunch of bad things are gonna happen. Shit, dude. Exactly. That's how I interpreted why it was unsatisfying. Yeah, like I, I was just like, yeah, get get wrecked, get fucked up. But like, it did still feel good beating it for me. It that satisfaction, great. the satisfaction came from when Kratos is blowing his limbs off. <laughs> yes, that was that the satisfying was awesome. moment for me. I really not the that. death itself. Just the like seeing was... Kratos thoroughly just dis- just dis- dismantle, literally dismantle Heimdall. I think it was also just like it felt good to like beat him, but like the strangling was just not even. I would say like how handily he beat him, like Kratos. <laughs> he it was kind of a little pathetic uh, that well he he's was dealt with this before, right? But like he this is just Hermes too for decap- him. He's he is decapitated Apollo. He oh, yeah. sawed off Hermes's fucking legs just yeah. to get his shoes. <laughs> like yeah, there's been like these really like messed up stuff, but like these were still like they were at least like you know somewhat adults and everything heimdall still seems like a boy he still yeah. seems like you he's know he's comparative in age almost to uh, atreus yeah yeah he's like, like a, a, bit, little a bit, bit older than atreus exactly he's like like he looks like he's like 17 or something i almost think the intended effect is that he is the annoying older brother who just constantly puts the younger brother down because exactly. he wants to feel better about himself right. well also because i think heimdall was jealous of odin's attention mm-hmm like who's this? Yeah, it's the same thing as an older brother when you get a younger brother. It's like, oh, I guess my parents don't care about me anymore because now they have they this new kid. Fullest extreme, <laughs> of yeah. trying to kill him. Yeah, um, well. right. And like, it was again just a point of uh, it was a relapse for Kratos, uh, where I think he <laughs> yeah, was that's just, one way to put it. He was not in control of that moment and mamir was just like brother 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 like it's okay it's cool it's cool don't do this you don't want to do this again and he you know stands up from his like mangled corpse and like kratos is just like very upset with himself he's like i fucked up oh no i said i wasn't gonna do this again here i am doing it again and it was like it was the aftermath of it that was so unsatisfying it was not this triumphant you know, let's go. It was just this, you know, oh man, I shouldn't have killed that kid, even though it's he was a, a shit. It's looking at it's looking at yourself in the mirror after you've just spent the past five minutes vomiting in the toilet. You're just like, <laughs> who who am I? What a, yeah. what 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 am I? What kind of creature would be so disgusting? 
It is the <laughs> it is the shame that you have uh, that kind of hangs over you. It's 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 bad. So that kind of brings us to like Ragnarok. After all of these, you know, different beats hit, um, and how other people are reacting to, you know, fate. Uh, fate is here. Uh, destiny has arrived, and everything that everyone has been working towards is coming up. Um, and you know, I, Just I don't as know it what was you prophesized. were. <laughs> Exactly. And like, I don't know what you were expecting, but I was thoroughly uh, enthused by the uh, cutscenes and the setting and like running through the barracks and everything. I felt the uh, buildup was better than the event itself in my opinion. The The um, tent scene with uh, where he, uh, Kratos is a very vulnerable moment. I thought was really story. touching the Gallahorn. Um, um, yeah, oh, that that's the Avengers uh, Endgame. You know, <laughs> get all this, assemble all the armies of all the realms. It was, it was very Endgame. Yes, and the music just swells <laughs> up with the giant horns with the theme, yeah. the new theme of God of War. It's a very emotional moment. I felt like the event of Ragnarok itself. I felt it could have used maybe another thirty minutes to an hour to kind of. And maybe some more like true frontline open field combat would have really established this as like, this is a big motherfucking moment right now. Yeah. Whereas instead they kind of have you going through the trenches, World War One style. And it mm-hmm. was still climactic and eventful. I just felt like, you know, it was a little too intimate of yeah. a conflict to mm-hmm. for what's being um, presented. But... That being said, I feel like everything after you cross the walls with like Thor and um, when you're with uh, Anger Boda um, mm-hmm. and Thor's daughter, I thought all that stuff was really cool. I would I would have liked more of that, maybe. Yeah, a good bet. Uh, they needed a stronger first start of the uh, campaign uh, towards Asgard. Yeah, for sure. Um, but there are some good vulnerable oh. character moments. Like I think we'll talk about like when um, Kratos confronts Atreus. Because Atreus, in order to breach the the walls, they right, have to yeah. do some not good things to not people who don't deserve it. And right. in doing well, that's so, what it truly affects about. Atreus. Yeah, yeah. So like, the, yeah, there's a pivotal moment where you know uh, the humans that Odin like took from Midgard uh, when Ragnarok first started, and he like promised them safe refuge in Asgard. We're told to fight at the front gates of yeah. uh, the realm, and uh, Sindri, who is already like just on a warpath of his own, uh, just like comes in. Just because at this point, Odin has killed Brock. He, he killed uh, Brock, uh, so like Sindri is just completely off the handle, and he just like destroys the uh, the humans, like you know, barracks of just like this, you know, the bolt thing of just like attacking uh like a resonating yeah yeah so like he just like completely destroys that and it it fucks up the humans because they're humans in this like giant you know world ending catastrophe they just got hit with like a mythological shockwave basically and like (laughs) atreus is just he was just like i I didn't want this no hold on and warrior close your heart and he knows the he knows That's what Kratos taught there. him in the first game. Right. And he knows the people there. And he's just like, close your heart to it. Close your heart to their suffering. And like, Kratos remembers that. And it's from the first game when he first, when they first kill humans. And like, yeah. he realizes, oh, that wasn't good. That I shouldn't have done that. Was that was a bad <laughs> lesson. I need to embrace my son's kindness. 
Yeah, and he just um, like he runs up trying to, his to get boy. rid of it. He runs up to his boy. He like grabs his shoulder and be like, "Listen to me. <laughs> Open your heart. <laughs> be a soft boy. Be my soft baby boy." And but he, like, he understands that kindness was never something that was allowed in his society and his upbringing. And Spartan, that's it's weakness. a very value. He realizes it's a very valuable trait. It's not some. It's not a weakness. It's a strength. Exactly. Um, yeah, and, and it's what makes Atreus unique, and what could make Atreus a good god. And he tells Atreus that, and he's like, "You need to be who you are and wh- who your mother was, and be be in touch with reality." Is. Yes, and Atreus like really takes that to heart, and it is this beautiful moment, heart to heart, you know, cats in the cradle shit, and <laughs> we have Atreus then like kind of alters everything and he's like okay okay we need to like you know send some people over there to help them uh Mm because the humans just got their shit rocked and now we're gonna like close in on that uh on uh asgard and so they you know breach the wall we have all the similar beats and also he tries to stop ragnarok and he tries to stop he tries to stop he tells he tells freyr like can you calm him down please (laughs) he's like i'll I'll try all right but like Ragnarok is still coming uh, and yeah. like he's like about to stick the thing in and Freya like sacrifices himself to save it. And like uh, so, you know, they get in uh, Thor beats uh, Jormungandr uh, to uh, the past him back in time. Yeah. <laughs> and he, um, you know, comes in and starts fighting Kratos after um, Thrud, uh Thor's daughter uh, mm-hmm. or sorry, Thrud Thor's daughter you know, comes in to kind of, like, help with everything, or at least, like, you know, she knows Atreus, and, like, there's this very shaky alliance, but, like, Thor's like, get the fuck away from my daughter, you god-killing piece of shit. (laughs) He's like, no, please, it's it's a misunderstanding. (laughs) (laughs) And they, like, get in this fight, and uh, Thor is like, they're, they're almost at a stalemate, even though Kratos just got this. And he's just like, pick up your axe we're destroyers we gotta fight and like kratos learns from atreus and he's just like no more he also kind of takes a note from uh from his wife Faye. he's mm-hmm. like we are who we choose to be right yeah. now we can choose to not do this and not be destroyers right which resonates with thor considering some of the heart to hearts he's had with uh his daughter throughout the events of the game from mm-hmm. as we witnessed from Atreus's perspective. But exactly. um he kind of has the culmination of his character arc in that moment where he kind of does realize like I can be better. A very constant one of the first like memed things of the Norse duology was don't yeah. be sorry, be better. And yeah. be better it was kind of one of the overarching narrative themes Truly. of the Norse duology. Truly the theme of just getting better. You see kind of the culmination of that uh, in this moment and the ending. But there is one person who refuses to uh, be better. Really change themselves and be better. Uh, they, in fact, chooses to be worse and <laughs> kills his son. Not because of prophecy or anything, but because he has outlived his usefulness. And yeah. Odin kills Thor. I think it was more um, out of fear. I guess fear, but like it was just like, you're going to turn on me, huh? He knew a Thor uh, Kratos tag team would be unstoppable. So, Oh, my God. I got to even the odds a little bit here. They he, Odin robbed us of a beautiful bromance of, between I know. these two. <laughs> well, um, in some of the podcasts I listened to with the game director, Eric Williams, I believe is his name. He said, like, originally, absolutely, you're going to get 
to wield like mm. uh, Mjolnir, but he said that was too easy. You know, it really like, would have been. It's yeah. too expected. You know. Yeah. So I, I now now Throod has Mjolnir, but we'll see. Well, she gets yeeted by Mjolnir. Yeah, she gets <laughs> yeeted by Mjolnir. Um, and you know. Odin has this like final fight with, you know, Freya and Kratos and Atreus and like they're all just like going at him. Um and ultimately it is done and you like you're waiting and you're just like is is Kratos going to die? Like how is this yeah, going to work? Yeah, when's when's it happening? And you're, and I'm sure the same thing is running through Atreus's mind. Uh mm-hmm. but at the end like they got him pinned down and Odin's just like you know, come on like well you know, they get the mask first and, you know, he's just like, Atreus, like, you have the mask, we're in the rift. You have the choice to you can do this. Have the answer to all your questions. AKA, I have the choice to for you to give me the answer to all my questions. Mm-hmm. And like Kratos, again, such like leaps Culmination. and bounds. True Culmination. father of the year. Like great amount of like growth and learning from him. And he's just like, This is your thing. He finally learns to he finally like for I don't think this is the first time, but this is definitely the most important time oh, where yeah. he fully exemplifies his trust in Atreus. It's like mm-hmm. you've proven yourself to me. I trust you, and I trust you to make the right decision here, even if it's not the one I agree with. Yeah, and like that's so great for uh, Kratos, and, and it's Atreus- because he does that. I think. Well, I think Atreus was always yeah. going to destroy the mask, but I almost think that. Kratos's trust in him reinforces his trust in Kratos himself. So, for sure, kind of another example of like you create the conclusions mm-hmm. <laughs> in You're a the way, master of your own destiny. But yeah, so uh, Atreus chooses to break the mask, and Odin does this weird scream, um, but ultimately gets his ass beat. And then Atreus chooses not to kill him, but just do the little spell he learned to take your soul out and he put it in. Yeah, same thing he did to Fenrir. Exactly. And accidentally to Jormungandr and accidentally did it to Fenrir. So, you know, you have just his soul in a little marble and they're just like, oh, well, wow. Here's, but here's the thing is that the pose that's stricken in that moment mm-hmm. is identical to the scene that both Atreus and Kratos saw that seemingly depicted Kratos's death, mm-hmm. but instead of Kratos um, in Atreus's arms, it's Odin, and the eye patch of Odin looks similar to the stripe that you thought was on the mural the first time, and the big streak of light coming out of what was Kratos's mouth initially, which a lot of people theorized was Jormungandr based on original Norse myth, is actually his soul being taken from his body and put in a frost giant marble. Yeah. So he was never in any danger. Kratos was well, fine. Yeah. <laughs> or another way to interpret it is that their actions changed things to lead to this happening instead of Kratos. Or you could interpret that this was always the thing that was meant to happen. But exactly. Um, that's, that's a conversation to have with the game's uh, directors and writers, which even they would probably They're say the gonna... same thing I would say, which is, I don't know. What do you think? Uh-huh. <laughs> Who can say? Perhaps yeah. it is whatever you interpreted it to be. It's like so, a, I don't know if you, I don't know if you've seen the interview with uh, Kurt Cobain 
there's like an interview with Nirvana where it's like a lot of people are very uh, confused and bewildered by your lyrics. Uh, you know, could you, uh, you explain to me what the content of this specific song is? And Kurt like is like, I'm more interested in what they think the song is about. Mm-hmm. Um, which, in all fairness, I think a lot of those lyrics were just gibberish anyway. Because if you know anything about the songwriting process, the lyrics come last. Right. <laughs> so, but it's the same mentality, which is just like, I don't know. What do you think? Right. Um, there is so, no right or wrong answer. Exactly. And that's kind of where I kind of have felt on it. So just to wrap up our thoughts about all of this, how do we, how do we end on this? So Ragnarok has um, resolved. Uh, the prophecy has come true, just not in the way initially interpreted. And Atreus and Angerboda decide to go out on realm traveling adventures similar to the, the adventures Tyr uh, undertook. But Kratos discovers um, one last mural painted by Faye, his wife herself, that depicts Kratos' entire journey from Greece to where he is now. Um, whether she knew that before they met or after is, I don't know if that's entirely clear. However, um, he discovers that, oh, this mural has a, a, a B-side to it which depicts the events of Ragnarok. And then there's one little thing at the end that's uncovered and he moves the pain and discovers, Oh my God, part of this prophecy includes me becoming an actual God in Norse myth. That's not feared, but loved. And that has obviously has not come true yet, but Faye has prophesized it, and she has foreseen our entire journey so far. It's even exemplified in 2018, all the golden handprints on the trees. And if there's ever gold paint on something, Corey Barlog said, if you ever see gold on something, that means Faye was there and she plotted out the journey for you. So, very strongly implies that Faye knew everything that was going to happen, and she foresaw that this too would happen. And to go back to our previous points, I think it deals with the same logic that the Norns deal in, which isn't necessarily that I know this to be true, but I predict strongly that it will happen based on your desire to change and become this. This is a figure for you to aspire to be, and I know based on being your wife and the mother of your child <laughs> that this is something you want to be. Um, and so, because you want it to be this, it will be this. And it's just a beautiful moment. And when Freya asks him what he saw, he doesn't say anything other than just, it's a path. Because Kratos knows, too, that it isn't set in stone, but it is rather a goal to be aspired to. And if he keeps it up, will happen. Couldn't have said it better myself, man. That was awesome. I feel like that is exemplary of everything Ragnarok is trying to say. I feel like that is the thesis statement of Ragnarok. I feel like that is the moral of the stories, kind of like self-realization, um, manifesting your own truth, manifesting um, yourself as a role model to yourself um, and yeah. your decisions leading up to that. If you initiate the change, the change will come. If you hear about the prophecy, the prophecy will happen. So I love that. 
my final takeaway from all this is that one, again, I just, I'm obsessing over the Norns and just like how they <laughs> like think and like do shit with like, and how they operate around uh, fate and destiny. Mm-hmm. And that like you were saying, like you are manifesting your future with who you are and your decisions. You are the sum of your choices. Mm-hmm. And that is what your, um, you know, future will be. That is what your destiny is. You are your destiny. and. I, I'll admit, I was like, even when I finished the game, I was just like, in my own interpretation, the prophecy where, like, everyone was thinking that Kratos was the one who was dying was, I believe, still going to be true, if not for that pivotal moment in Ragnarok where Kratos tells Atreus to open his heart. Mm-hmm. If that had not happened, I felt like it still would have been Kratos dying. That could have been a big death flag. <laughs> But oh, he's because, <laughs> Exactly. But because he changed his outlook that he expressed this and exposed a very like raw part of himself to his son and told him to open his heart, you are, again, you are changing fate in that way, that you are absolutely like changing who you are, changing your choices, changing your own nature to become a better person. And because mm-hmm. of that, you have a better future. Yeah. And I, I want to touch on that, like the some of your choices, because Kratos chooses that he wants to be better. And mm-hmm. so the sum of that choice is what ultimately leads him down the path of redemption. And that's, oh, it's honestly one of the strongest character arcs I've ever witnessed in media. Going I, from this heinous monster to someone who understands their past and ultimately chooses that I don't want to do this. I want to be better and is shown a future in which that can become reality. This man came from like a living Greek tragedy to one of the most inspirational like characters. Yeah. He's proof that you can, it's never too late to change almost never. No matter what you've done, you know, it's so good. As long as you make the choice to change, that will lead you down the path of change. And it's it's incredibly inspiring because a lot of people have a defeatist attitude about Mm -hmm. destiny and fate. And they resign themselves either to be in that fate or they just kind of like really get shitty about it. And they're just like, well, I don't want this to happen And I'm just going to do the worst things possible because, you know, this is so important to me. And if I can prevent this, then it's not, you know, going to do anything. But you don't change yourself. And I think that that can sometimes be lost in, like, understanding your own destiny and your future is that, you know, it's not just, you know, what you do. It is who you are that is going to define, um, you know, where you're going to end up later in life. Yeah, one thing, I, I think my last statement is uh, sure. change comes from within, mm-hmm. and Kratos initiated that change within himself, and I think what makes the ending so impactful is that his choice is reaffirmed by the person he loved the most. You know, I think that's what's so shocking to him, is that, oh my god, the choice I've made to, within myself to be better has now been validated and reaffirmed to be the right choice. 
and there is a future for me. And I that that that's why that ending really touched me because Kratos exemplified that he was deserving of that change as well. So yeah, for, that, for him, because that's the next that, step. His face, his, you see it on his face. I'm just like, oh my, like Christopher Judge does such a good job. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what never. was so touching is he truly believed himself beyond redemption. Mm-hmm. And even then he still initiated that change within himself. And so that's why that affirmation was so mind blowing to him. And I think, why it, I think it's, it I think it also was, me, I think, yeah, like, I think it also was because like, he loved his son so much and he knew that he needed to do like he needed to set an example for his son mm-hmm. and like he couldn't just be old Kratos or this, you know, you know, ashamed, exiled uh, God. He knew that he needed to be better if his son was going to be better than him. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he took that path because like because if Atreus wasn't here, I don't think he'd be where he was. No, I think that's that the game. entire point of Atreus as a character. Mm-hmm. That's why Atreus exists in a narrative sense, I think. Yeah, because he's he wouldn't do this for anyone else, not even himself, not even Faye, not even Faye. Because Faye, in the flashbacks, he's still kind of a hard ass. Yeah, it's Atreus that opens him up, and that's you know it. It's just a beautifully created story that I'm just always going to go back to. That about wraps it up. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And it really helps us grow the show. And be sure to connect with us on Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at lore underscore party. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time.